0: Hi there, it's Sharon here, the Good Gut Girl. So welcome to podcast number 11, how your gut is supposed to work at what can and what does go wrong. So the digestive process is very complex, as you can imagine, but the digestive process starts with a sense of smell and a sense of sight. So you smell an aroma of a food or you see a food and your brain thinks, mmm, delicious or yuck. Either way, your gut will react. If it's a yuck food, you might feel nauseous and a bit off in your tummy. But if it's a yum food, your brain sends a message to your gut to say, get some digestive juices going, there is food on the way. Now, if you don't have a great sense of smell, this process can be inhibited. And sometimes this can also mean that you're lacking in a mineral called zinc. So if you don't have a great sense of smell, it is possible you do need some zinc. So the next thing that will happen, especially as you eat the food, will be that your salivary glands will start secreting substances such as salivary amylase, which starts to break down the carbohydrates in your food. And it also starts to secrete lingual lipase, And the lingual lipase starts to break down the fats in the food in your mouth. So your salivary glands can secrete up to two litres of liquid a day. And this is what's so important to stay hydrated so that your salivary glands are able to secrete enough amylase and lipase to start the digestive process in your mouth. The saliva is also important because it coats the food so it can actually get down your esophagus. Another important role of saliva is that it contains electrolytes, which kick in when the food gets to the small intestine. And this is when it's alkalization time. So, Your teeth work to physically break down the proteins in the foods in your mouth. And it's really important to do this well, as if, you know, if they're big chunks of food that go down the esophagus to your stomach, it won't be able to break them down and then you won't be able to absorb the nutrients from that food. So if you've seen chunks of food in your poo, this might be why. So, you know, use your teeth to chew up your food properly, as it's the best way to get as much as much nutrition from that food as possible. So, as soon as the food drops into your esophagus, the esophageal sphincter opens up so that it can drop into your stomach. The stomach secretes acids to continue to break down your food. So, the acids are really important as they're able to kill off harmful bacteria and viruses that may be ingested with your foods. Now, food is one of the biggest dangers to your immune system, as well as the germs that go along with the food via your hands or someone else's hands. The stomach acid is used for several other things as well, to break down proteins in foods, to release vitamin B12. So it then in in turn can bind with intrinsic factor that's then absorbed in your small intestine. So if you're taking acid-reducing medications, this process can be somewhat reduced. And then you can be at risk of low B12. um, And you can also be at risk of too much bad bacteria that will continue on through the digestive tract. So after the stomach, the food then goes to your small intestine and this is where a lot of the magic happens and this is where a lot of the things go wrong when it comes to gut health. So your liver plays a really big part in the process. It sends bile to the gallbladder. The gallbladder uses it, it stores that bile and it sends the bile to the small intestine when there is food in there. So the gallbladder secretes bile into the small intestine, which helps to emulsify the fats in your food. So if your poo floats or it's a bit greasy, then it's likely that your gallbladder isn't working too well. The pancreas secretes pancreatic juice, which helps to continue to break down that food as well. And the pancreas actually also alkalizes the area so that food can be absorbed properly. This is also where the saliva can come in handy, as it also helps to alkalize the area. Alkalization is just as important in the small intestine as having a good lot of stomach acid in the stomach. A lot of the time I see people that aren't alkalizing their food very well. And sometimes I think it's because the pancreas is just worn out. Much like you've heard of adrenal exhaustion, I always think that there's such a thing as pancreatic exhaustion. You know, it's worn out because it's had to work so hard processing all of the sugars we consume. But that's just a theory of mine, not a scientific fact, but it makes sense. So as I said before, the small intestine is where the magic happens and where lots of things also go wrong. You all would have heard of leaky gut syndrome. It happens in the small intestine where a lot of the food is absorbed. The problem occurs when the junctions of the small intestine open up. And microscopic pieces of food then travel into the bloodstream. Your immune system comes along and thinks, mm, "You shouldn't be there," and it attacks it, much like it would attack a foreign body. And this is what causes all your symptoms. This is—it's called. This is what happens when you have food intolerances. So, stress is a big, big driver of leaky gut syndrome. As the body gets stressed, the junctions open up, the food particles drop in. Hey, presto! You have a problem. SIBO, or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, is also something that happens in the small intestine. So the bacteria is not necessarily bad, it's just in the wrong spot, fermenting away, causing you problems and symptoms such as bloating, pain, gassiness, and sometimes alternating constipation and diarrhea. So what you want is for that bacteria to be in the large intestine. You do not want it to be in the small intestine because it's fermenting. In the small intestine instead of the large intestine. Yeast and candida infections as well do create havoc in the small intestine in a very, very similar way that food intolerances do. The gut junctions open up and the the yeast bacteria that there's too much of in your gut drops into the bloodstream and creates symptoms very similar to food intolerances. So bloating, pain, constipation, or diarrhea, fatigue, many of the food intolerance signs and symptoms, headaches, the lists are endless. Then you also have fructose malabsorption. This also occurs in the small intestine. When the villi from the small intestine are damaged, fructose cannot absorb as it's quite large. It then ferments, creating gases which cause bloating, pain, and depending on which gases form, hydrogen gases can cause diarrhea, whereas methane gases can cause constipation. So All of these problems, food intolerances, SIBO, candida infections, and fructose malabsorption can be tested for and really impair the functioning of the small intestine. The food then travels to the large intestine where it is broken down even further, making vitamins and minerals for the body, creating hormones and getting rid of waste. A lot of magic does happen in that large intestine as well. But too much bad bacteria in the large intestine can as well cause problems. This too, we can test for. So as you can see, the functioning of our gut depends on lots of things being done correctly by our body. If there is a problem with the functioning of your gut, it will affect most other body systems as well. This is why it's so important to address gut problems sooner rather than later. Thanks for listening to my podcast and keep an eye out for the next one.